Exclusive conversations. International specialists. Scientific knowledge. Voices, Voices of Science. Welcome back to Voices of Science. This is our third episode. As you know, the second season is dedicated to a conversation we held with Dr. Peter Schmidt, where he talks about various topics related to triple negative breast cancer. Dr. Schmidt is a medical oncologist based in London, England, where he works in the Barts Cancer Institute. In the past episode, Dr. Schmidt shared with us the rationale for immunotherapy in TNBC. Today, he will talk about the design of Impassion 130 study. So, let's get to it. Voices, Voices of, science. of Science The Impassion 130 trial had four primary endpoints, two for progression-free survival and two for oval survival. But for for progression-free and oval survival, we were looking independently at the ITT population, which means all patients, or a patient with PD-1 positive tumors. For progression-free survival, these analyses were done in parallel, so independent of each other, whether ITT was positive, was, uh, was not required to test in, uh, for, uh, for PFS in the PD-1 positive dead patients. For overall survival, we had to choose a slightly different design for practical reasons, Firstly, because we needed data to be available more uh, early at the time of the PFS analysis. But secondly, also, uh, we, we, we needed to control the trial size. For that reason, we chose a hierarchical trial design where we would first look at overall survival in the ITT population. And only if that population was positive, go to this subgroup of patients with PD1 positive tumors to see whether we see an even stronger benefit in that group. Measuring PDL1. In the Impression 130 trial, we used an assay called the SP1 for 2 assay. SP1 for 2 stands for an antibody. When we use this antibody in breast cancer, we see that a predominantly immune cells are, are, are stained as PDL1 positive. And with this assay, we saw 41% of triple negative breast cancer patients were positive based on assessing immune cells. In contrast to, for example, lung cancer, where very often the tumor cells are positive as well. Tumor cell positivity with the SP1 for two assay is relatively low in breast cancer, only around 9% of patients. And seven out of those 9% of patients are also immune cell positive. So the SP1 for two assay looks at the immune cells in the tumor, uh, assesses them with the SP1 for two assay, and classify patients as positive or negative if they have 1% or more or less than 1% of positive immune cells. Results of Impassion 130. The Impassion 130 trial was clearly positive for progression-free survival, both in the ITT population, where we saw a hazard ratio of 0.80, but most importantly in patients with PD1 positive tumors, where we saw a hazard ratio of 0.62. In patients with PD1 negative tumors, we did not see a clear benefit. And that's why we would we, we focused in further analysis of patients with PD1 positive tumors. When we looked at overall survival in the in the ITT population, it did not hit statistical significance. But knowing that the PD1 was a clear predictor of response from from a progression-free survival point of view, we still assessed PD1 in patients with PD, uh, overall survival in patients with PD1 positive tumors. What we saw there was an increase 
in median overall survival from 17.9 to 25.4 months. That's a hazard ratio of 0.67 with a 95% confidence interval 0.53 to 0.86. Just because of the hierarchical study design, we can't call this statistically significant as we're only applying exploratory statistics. Looking at the tail of the overall survival curve, looking at three-year overall survival rates, was 36% in patients who, who received atezolizumab compared to 22% in patients who received placebo. Understanding the benefits in PFX and OS. The data for progression-free survival are, in my opinion, entirely consistent with the data for overall survival. We see a very similar hazard ratio in the ITT population for PFS as for OS. And again, we see a very similar hazard ratio in, in, in the PD1 positive groups for PFS and OS. So we can see, see that the benefit seen with the atezolizumab in the PD1 positive patients, benefit in progression-free survival clearly translates into a benefit in overall survival in this subgroup. On the other hand, patients with PD1 negative tumors did not seem to have a benefit both in, P in terms of PFS as well as overall survival. Safety profile. So if you look at the most common side effects, there were subtle differences between patients randomized to atezolizumab as compared to placebo in combination with napaclitaxel, but nothing really un un unusual and very similar overall chemotherapy-dominated safety profile, a little bit more peripheral neuropathy in, 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 in the atezolizumab group, which is probably down to a longer duration of napaclitaxel therapy as patients stayed on treatment longer. When we look specifically at immune-related adverse events, again, we see a pattern that's very similar to what we've seen in other disease types. We see the most common immune-related adverse events are rash, Having said this, rash is, is, is most commonly induced by paclitaxel, but slightly higher in the group who received a tesselizumab in combination with now paclitaxel. The, the most common single side effect is, is, is a change in the thyroid function, more commonly hypothyroid function, but in some patients also hyperthyroid function. Other immune-mediated side effects as pneumonitis, hepatitis, colitis were relatively rare and only around 1% of each of those side effects, 1% of patients required steroid treatment. That's all for today's podcast of Voices of Science. In our next episode, Dr. Schmidt will talk about PDL1 as a biomarker. PDL1 tests clearly identify patients who benefit from the addition of atezolizumab or pembrolizumab to first-line chemotherapy. Join us in the next episode of Voices of Science. Thank you. Until next time. Voices, Voices of Science, of science.